ESPN 94.1 FM at 8:930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Friday, July 31st. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Coming up on the program, we're going to hear from... Fox Sports Ohio's Dave Metzl. I haven't talked to Dave in a long time. Looking forward to catching up with him as hockey is back in full effect tomorrow. And we'll talk about life in the bubble, how this has impacted the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we'll get, of course, his predictions on the Stanley Cup. That's coming up in the next few minutes. Plus, we'll get your phone calls in, as we mentioned. Again, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Last night on Twitter, and we get the official word today. Brett McMurphy last night tweeting Conference USA will keep eight-game league schedule and allow schools to play as many non-conference games as they want. This is according to his sources. Also, it could be possible for Conference USA teams to play each other as non-conference opponents if schools need more games. And this is according to Brett McMurphy's sources. Now, of course, nothing has been released from Conference USA to substantiate this. However, earlier this morning here on ESPN 94.1 during the statewide talk line show with host Hoppy Kirchwell, Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hamrick was on the program. And when he was asked about the schedule, what it's going to look like, here's what Mr. Hamrick said. Yeah, what we decided yesterday, we're going to play eight conference games, and every school can schedule the remaining four as they, as they seem fit. And so we're we're staying. We're staying right where we're at. Now, if it gets to the point where I can only find two other teams other than our eight conference games, I can play Conference USA games that would not count as a conference game, as a non-conference game. For example, we don't play UTEP. We don't play San Antonio. We don't play Southern Miss. We don't play North Texas. So there you have it from the voice himself, the athletic director of Marshall University, Mike Hamrick, making the appearance earlier this afternoon on Talkline on Metro News right here on ESPN 94.1. Conference USA, it's official. It hasn't been released from the league, and we haven't seen a statement come out from the league, but maybe the league feels as if they don't need to release a statement because, well, they're not changing anything. The only thing that they are allowing is conference schools to be able to play as non-conference opponents if the schedule dictates. Now, that means there might be some availability on the schedule, or maybe not. When specifically asked about the ECU game, here's Mike Hamrick's response. Yes, yes. Spoke with East Carolina yesterday, the 29th. They started practice this morning. We started practice uh, week zero, uh, so we get to start a week before everyone else who plays on the 5th. So the game is on as as we speak, and so I don't have to say this 100 times. I want to preference everything by saying as we speak at this moment. The big question is, of course, the pit game. The ACC coming out with the announcement that the schedule will be 10 conference games and a plus one model in which 
games outside of conference will be allowed as long as those games are played in the host institution or the member institution's state. So, for example, Pennsylvania would have to be the site of any game between Marshall and Pitt if that game is to be played. Here's Mike Hamrick's response to the Pitt game still being on. At this point, that is an unknown. Uh, As of 1048 this morning, I have not heard anything from Pitt uh, to tell me that the game is not on. Uh, However, I have read the ACC policy that states that they'll play a 10-game only season and will play one other game, but it has to be in that university's home state. So uh, my understanding is Cabell County's not in Pennsylvania. So, but I have not heard anything from Pitt. Uh, you know, it, very surprising that that I've not gotten a call and anything. That could have changed since this morning's program, but still, that's where the Pitt game stands right now. And the game that I have been asking about questioning. Will Boise State make the trip to Huntington? Will Boise State play the Thundering Herd? Mike Hamrick's response. That is on as of three days ago. We had a very good conversation with Boise. They want to play. Here, here's the thing, Hoppy. Yeah. Every, everybody wants to play. It's not like we don't want to play, but but we've got to be able to do it safe. And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to hold out as long as we can before we make the the D-Day decision of if we're going to play or not. And and right now we're going to play. That's Mike Hamrick again this morning on Talk Line. You can hear that every weekday, 10 to noon, right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. That courtesy of Metro News, and we appreciate them for for that. The, um, the big one there is that the thinking and the reasoning here is holding out until the last possible moment to make the decision. The thinking here is... It's easier to say no than say no early and then quit. So you have to say, okay, we're going to push this back because if we say no, it's going to have to be a no. We don't want to say, yeah, we're going to do this and not do this or no, we're not going to do this. And then, yeah, we're going to do this. So Marshall Conference USA basically biding time, biding its time until – an ultimate decision needs to be made. Now, with that said, it's interesting to note that if you need to fill your conference schedule up, you're going to be able to do that. It's going to be a normal conference schedule. Then if you need to fill your non-conference schedule up, well, you can, if you need to, you can add a couple of games from in the conference. So Marshall, Southern Miss, that could be a possibility to fill in some holes. We still don't know what the Mid-American Conference is going to do. We do not know what the American is going to do. We don't know what the Mountain West is going to do. And we know what the ACC has done, and that hasn't been addressed directly yet, according to Mike Hamrick, at least early this morning, from Pitt's athletic department. So that's where we stand with Thundering Herd and the schedule, of course. If you were listening to the program this morning or if you follow this program or if you just follow Marshall on social media, you know camp opening up today because Marshall is preparing right now as we speak, Thundering Herd getting ready for a game coming up here at the end of August. 
So the Thundering Herd moving forward. Week zero gets that extra practice time in. or Not extra, but you get to start early because you're going to start early on your season. So that's where Marshall's at right now as far as getting ready for the season. It's easier to stop getting ready for the season than to ramp up real quick trying to get ready for the season. And with that said, with the conference schedules being decided, at least at this moment in Conference USA, the Pac-12 approving that 10-game conference-only fall schedule. And Pac-12 will begin on September 26th. There's going to be some flexibility built in on the schedule. Each team will play five home and five road games. The Pac-12 football championship game will be played on December 18th or 19th. And the conference title game will be held in a home-hosted model for 2020. And, of course, that means winning the regular season or being the high seed is going to mean a little bit more in conference. If you win, you're going to be able to play host to the other team in that championship scenario. So uh, games that can't be played on the scheduled date can be made up in the bye weeks or week 12, which is December 12th. And that's where we stand with Conference USA and, of course, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and those other leagues uh, figuring out what they're going to be doing in Big Ten First one to go, SEC fell. We're just waiting for the Big 12 now and uh, some of the other conferences to decide what they're going to do. We're going to turn our attention to hockey. Dave Metzl, when we come back from break, Fox Sports Ohio. Let's talk Columbus Blue Jackets, NHL, the bubble. It seems to be working. We'll talk to Dave when we continue right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Still to come on the program, we're going to hear from Dave Metzl from Fox Sports Ohio, the Columbus Blue Jackets, in the bubble, along with the rest of the teams qualifying for the Stanley Cup. The qualifier and the round robin begin tomorrow. Of course, if you are a big fan of hockey, tomorrow is going to be like Christmas. It's going to be Christmas for me. High noon, I'll be watching the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. And, of course, the Blue Jackets, the Penguins, and all your favorite NHL teams will be in this round, Robin. Uh, so far, I think the NHL has done a fantastic job with the bubble. The bubble has been really successful so far. Isolating the players, keeping them in a controlled environment, Unlike what we're seeing with Major League Baseball, right now Major League Baseball is just a mess. The Cardinals needing to postpone or delay the game today because, of course, COVID-19. Two St. Louis Cardinals tested positive for the coronavirus, and so Major League Baseball had to postpone this afternoon's game at the Milwaukee Brewers. So we're starting to see games be postponed. We're going to get to the point where not every team is going to be able to play 60. Will at this point... We look at a percentage model for which team gets in, how much of a disparity. I mean, let's just be honest with you here. I don't know if we're going to get through the entire season in baseball. If we do, that's going to be great. But I don't know if we're going to get to that point just yet. It's not looking dire, but it's not looking great. And, of course, this is going to be the model in which you're going to see the National Football League operate under because they're not going to quarantine in a bubble. College football is not going to quarantine in a bubble. And so you're going to have maybe these situations. And what's your tolerance for for student-athletes getting COVID-19? What's your tolerance for pro-athletes catching COVID-19? What's your your threshold here? 
When do you say, okay, the risk is too great or enough is enough? Same thing with high school. We're talking high school athletes right now. We're talking high school coaches, high school boosters, pushing for high school sports to return. And can you answer me 100% how are you going to minimize the exposure to potential COVID-19 outbreaks? How are we going to do that? Now, I understand you can't put these kids in a bubble. You're trying not to live in a bubble. Unfortunately, uh, the way sports are working right now, the bubble seems to be working. The bubble is working. And the NHL, and right now, I'm a big fan of what they're doing. And I was a huge fan of watching last night's basketball action, the NBA. I thought that was fantastic, watching the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, That's the most fun I've had in a while watching. And maybe it's because I've been separated from basketball for a while. Same thing with hockey, because this has been the most fun I've had in a long time. But watching the NBA last night with the digital fans, the fans on the digital board, I thought that was great. It's easier to do that in a smaller setting than it is with the NHL. I don't think you could have a graphic wall of just digital fans, but uh, that's a possibility. You really couldn't tell you were like in a convention-type center atmosphere because you had the floor with the imaging that we have access to today, the technology we have. You couldn't exactly make the floor look exactly like the home court of every NBA team that's going to be playing, but you had... The home team's graphics. You had the digital fan board. I thought that was pretty cool. That was different. And it was it was interactive. It's different than the cardboard cutouts. Now, of course, I still love the cardboard cutouts in baseball. And more baseball teams are doing it. Hopefully, it's going to be something that they can have fun with. But I like the digital board. I like the fan board. That was fun. I'm sure it helped a little bit. I thought the sound was good. You're piping in the music. You're trying to make this feel like a basketball game, a presentation. And I thought for the most part for TV, it was okay. It was pretty good. Once I got into it, it was better than I thought. And I really thought what they did for the basketball tournament was a lot better uh, than what it was going to be. And so the NBA, of course, taking it to the next level. Well, we're not going to have drapes. We're going to actually have a digital board with fans. And that was cool. And, of course, I like what the NHL has done with the stage presentation here. And there's no way you can compare what the NBA and the NHL are doing because you're, just, you're using different facilities altogether. And so you get a lot more space there. So I think what they have done, they're piping in the sound. Everything has uh, looked pretty good so far from both the NBA and baseball and, of course, NHL. Yeah, I still – some of those stadiums are empty. I, I'm not a big fan, and I'm not sure how I feel about the Fox digital-imposed fans just yet. I mean, it's okay. If I didn't know it, it was yeah, – maybe it could fool me if I didn't know, but I know, so I, I notice it. I'd rather just not have the digital-imposed fans, you know, of course, the digital fan board a lot better than the teddy bears. And, of course, Korean baseball with the Pokemon and everything else they could throw up there. That was funny, though, but definitely like so far what all the leagues have been doing for the most part with their um, trying to make the uh, arenas, make the uh, the atmosphere not a just a dead room for everything uh, going on. Now, with that said, the bubble – 
they get a lot of room and a lot of space. The graphic boards are pretty cool with the logos, the team logos, and everything they're doing. Uh, maybe this is uh, this is the the future. I don't know. Maybe we do this more often here. Maybe you see more of this presentation style in arenas where you, maybe you don't have that many fans. I don't know. It's it's a possibility. Let's um. Let's get back on track. When we continue, we're going to hear from Dave Metzold from Fox Sports Ohio. He's going to join us on the other side of the break here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Friday, July 31st edition. The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've been talking a lot about the bubble. We've been talking a lot about the area teams and the bubble. And joining us now to get us updated on what's happening with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dave Metzl joins us from Fox Sports Ohio. Of course, you know Dave from his many years here in the Tri-State. Dave, good to talk to you again. Hey, it's great to be on with you. I'm sorry for the little bit of a delay there. I had a little bit of a work thing come up, but uh, great to be with you. When those mistakes happen, we always blame Bill Cornwell for every mistake on this show, so just add it to his list. Let's go back about uh, 25 or 30 years. I also blamed Bill Cornwell for anything that went wrong. That's a good policy. I mean, it's it's a strong policy. It's usually an accurate policy, and you can't go wrong. Always, always. It's always Billy's fault. What the Blue Jackets lose? Is it Billy's fault as well? Uh, yes. In fact, uh, Coach Tortorella acknowledges the fact that every time things go wrong, he says, I'm not sure who this Bill Cornwall guy is, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's his fault. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a smart coach. He's, um, he's, he knows what he's talking about. So uh, uh, can you get that as a soundbite for me? I mean, you know, you know, sometime in the near future, I'll play it every day. Uh, it's a little more difficult in this day of the Zoom interview, but I will do everything I can to make that happen. Dave, uh, definitely. Uh, we haven't uh, we haven't talked in a while. It's been uh, it's, it's good catching up with you again, and uh, it's it's been fun, really, because I've been following on Fox Sports Ohio, watching the Blue Jackets. They've had um, a tremendous season going, and then here we go once again. Uh, something gets in the way, but thankfully, the NHL I think's been doing it right with the bubble. Uh, what's been your impression so far? Actually, you're right. There's been a lot of different ways to approach it. Uh, but I think at least to this point, and you got to knock on wood a little bit, but I think at least to this point, the NBA and the NHL appear to have it figured out. You look at the issues that the Major League Baseball is uh, dealing with right now, and uh, you got to wonder if they're going to be able to continue because of the number of positive cases. And so far, with the NHL specifically, zero positive cases. Again, I want to knock on wood somewhere when that when that number comes out, but uh, they've seemed to have got it exactly the way they should have it, which is safety first and then go on and play the game. Yesterday, the Blue Jackets in the only exhibition tune-up game, whatever you want to call it, uh, great performance, and we finally get to see what the Blue Jackets would look like on the ice. Uh, you cover the Blue Jackets probably closer than most. You've seen them from the beginning. What did they look like to you when watching that? What did you notice? Well, they scored three goals in the first period, including a power play goal. And the one knock against this team really 
all for the really for the last two or three years is they're not an offensive minded team. They're a defensive minded team. So for them to come out and score three goals in the first period and make those goals stand up uh, was a very important sign that they want to kind of shake the image of, of themselves. Uh, the other part of it was defensively. That's where they're going to make their bread and butter. Uh, that's what's uh, that's what the, the really the personality of this team is. And they shut down a very potent Boston Bruins offense last night. And again, it was just an exhibition game, so the intensity wasn't quite what it's going to be on Sunday night. But a pretty good sign that this team is back to its personality. And then you add in a little bit of a goal scoring punch. Both of those two things combined, I think, add up to uh, to what could be a very successful postseason for this team. Did you think maybe Columbus needed to play someone else, some other team? Because you see where the NHLs group a lot of teams together that make sense, that just don't like each other. And so I'm watching the Rangers and the Islanders, and that was fun. I'm watching Calgary and, and Edmonton, and that was fun. And did you feel that maybe Columbus needed someone that could just really get their teeth into, or was this just fine? Everyone hates Boston. No, I think Boston was a perfect opponent because of what they did to the Blue Jackets last year. If you listen to John Tortorella, really from the moment that Boston series ended last year all the way through this season, they felt like they were a better team. They felt like they should have been able to eliminate Boston, and you saw how far Boston then moved on after they eliminated the Blue Jackets. So I think that was a good team for the Blue Jackets to play, the team that eliminated them from postseason last year, and now they get an opportunity to meet up with them, again, in a meaningless game, but still a game that showed them where where they were in terms of their readiness going into the postseason. I I thought it was a great matchup. How have you been – Looking at how the NHL has presented this, and we've had now some opportunity to watch baseball, the NBA, what they're doing, the way that the NHL is presenting the game on the ice. How do you feel everyone's adjusting? Because it's different. You see the tarps over the over the seats. You see the different video boards. They're piping in the sound, but it's just not the same. How do you feel they're going about this? How, how is the team reacting to this? I think the you know, first and foremost, they want to play games. And I think they walked into that environment, they walked into the bubble, trying to get a, a real assessment of, okay, what is this going to be like? And I think to a man, I have not heard a negative report yet. I've heard players all respond positively to this. Uh, and I think that's helped them now move into this period of, okay, there's going to be no fans, it's going to be a different type of a tournament, if you will. And I think uh, all of that has uh, has allowed the players to absorb this whole situation and the whole atmosphere in a different way. They, they know it's different. We all know it's different. It's different for all of us in every aspect of our lives, and it's, it's the same for the players. They just want to play, and whatever it is that has been presented to them has so far been satisfactory for them. Really won't matter where are the game's being played. The, it's for real coming up. You've got Toronto. This is a pretty even matchup, you would think, on paper, but everything's changed. I'm sure Columbus is in a much better position, a lot healthier. You know, What's this matchup look like to you? Well, I, it's, it's pretty simple, and it, and it almost sounds like, a, like an old cliche out of football, right? It's going to be a really good defensive team against a really good offensive team, and can your offense – beat our defense. I think that's the way it shapes up. 
the Jackets have been a defensive-minded team really ever since John Tortorella arrived at Columbus. With the exception of the two years when Artemi Panarin was a part of this team, they've never really had an offensive superstar. And that's certainly the case this year. So they know they have to win with defense. They know that they eliminated Tampa in the first round last year with their defensive play. They stifled one of the hottest offensive teams in the National Hockey League. And the parallels are ridiculously similar to this year in terms of what Toronto brings. Toronto's got John Tavares. They've got Austin Matthews. They've got Mitch Marner. They've got just an entire team of offensive-minded players. The Blue Jackets will try to frustrate them with their style. And, you know, the old adage, whether it's football, hockey, or, or basketball, is defense wins championships, right? So I, I think they're very confident in that. If they can pump in a few more goals than anybody expects them to, I think that will help them. But I think they're going to try and win throughout this postseason with defense. Speaking of defense, the most important position in net, where do you think Columbus is going? I think they're going to Elvis. I really do. Uh, Elvis came in uh, almost exactly midway through the game last night against Boston and did very well. He gave up kind of a quirky goal to David Pasternak. But I believe that Elvis is the guy who has the swagger, the boxie, just the mindset to be a playoff-winning goaltender. If you spend any time around him, you know that he's, uh, he's an unbelievably dynamic personality. He's got an unbelievable competitive fire that burns all the time, no matter what he's doing. Uh, there's a great story from last year where uh, the Blue Jackets goaltending coach, Manny Legacy, went over to see him in Switzerland, and they wanted to play golf. And uh, Manny beat Elvis pretty badly in golf. And the story goes that from that day forward, uh, Elvis went out to play golf so that he could be better. He went to the driving range. He went and played golf because he wanted to be better because he was so disappointed that he was beaten so badly by his goaltending coach. That speaks to his competitive fire. He hates to lose. And that's the kind of goaltender you want to have, especially in the postseason. With this being a five-game series, Dave, it it's a little different. You don't have much room for error. If there is a, a, a crushing defeat early, will coaches be a little bit more willing to make that quick change or ride a goaltender? you got to get hot quick because if you don't, you're done in five or sooner. I think it depends upon how you lose those games. If you lose a game six to one, well, then you got to look at the goaltender. If you lose a game three to two, then you probably don't make a drastic change like that. Uh, so let's watch very closely what happens in game one on Sunday night and how it plays out. Obviously, we all want the Blue Jackets to win, but if they don't win that game, how they lose it will have a big impact in what the coaching staff does and what changes they might make going into game two. I got a feeling you have to ride with a goaltender that you go with in game one unless he gets embarrassed badly. If it's Like I said, if it's a four or five goal difference, okay, then maybe you got to go to the other guy. But if he hangs in and makes some great saves and it's a close game, then I would stay with that goaltender in game two and, and see if you can get just a little more offensive production out of your guys up front. Dave, watching uh, lots of exhibition hockey over the last few days, it's uh, it's been like Christmas for me, and Saturday's going to be <laughs> no different. Uh, what have you seen from the other teams, or specifically from Toronto, when watching all of this action? What's stood out to you? 
Well, really, uh, teams trying to find their game as quick as possible. And, and I'm not sure through these exhibition games that you can gauge a whole lot on which teams have gotten to the point where they need to be in terms of intensity, in terms of creating the type of chaos that needs to be created at playoff time. I don't know if you're going to have a good gauge on that coming out of these exhibition games. Um, I did the, uh, the intermissions yesterday with Jean-Luc Brown-Pierre, and his reaction was, look, this is not the intensity of playoff hockey. So we have seen some teams, and the Blue Jackets are a perfect example, that were beat up with injuries and they get some players back. And it's great to see guys like Steph Jones back on the ice, Sam Atkinson and Oliver Bjorkstrand. But are they at that level that they need to be at yet to play playoff hockey for two months? I'm not really sure we're going to know until we see the real stuff begin tomorrow. And, and, and by that, I mean, the, you know, some games are Saturday, some games are Sunday. So I think watch these first games and in every one of these uh, early games, you're going to get a better idea of what team's intensity is like as they head into this, this whole scenario. From Fox Sports Ohio, Dave Metzl joining us. And you're right, because I was a little worried watching the Islanders-Rangers game the other day. Uh, you saw that day, everyone's superstars seemed to stand out, except for Panarin from Savannah Jad. And it's, each team's going to be a little different. You just don't know when that intensity is going to hit. But Saturday, it's fall for real. So maybe some teams are taking these uh, exhibition games a little lightly or at least saving themselves. So we just don't know. Right. Right. I mean, look at what happened last night in the third period when uh, Brad Marchand was injured uh, trying to make a check, trying to make a play, a physical play. Uh, that's exactly the type of play that teams were trying to avoid in these exhibition games. Yes, you want to play hard. Yes, you want to try to get your structure in place. But by the same token, you also don't want to have a guy get hurt in an exhibition game that's meaningless, and all of a sudden you go into a five-game series and you're without one of your key players. That was the fine line that most of these teams, well, not most, all of them were riding as they played these exhibition games. Yeah, play hard, try to win, try to get the right vibe going, but by God, don't get anybody hurt. Joining us from Fox Sports Ohio, Dave Metzl. And, of course, uh, we're going to be watching all the games on Fox Sports Ohio, uh, at least when the Blue Jackets are playing. And... We're gonna have birthday hockey for me uh, next week, August sixth, my birthday. There's going to be <laughs> there's going to be hockey probably for the first time I can ever remember. And we know one thing: the Blue Jackets are going to be playing on August sixth. So uh, I I win all day. Yeah, that's great. What a great birthday gift for you. Yeah, the Rangers might be playing. I'll be excited for that. The Blue Jackets will definitely be playing. Uh, you're playing Toronto, and this is probably the first time playing in Toronto where. Home ice doesn't necessarily matter, other than a locker room swap. Everybody's on the same footing. You know, I agree with that to a point, except you're talking about Toronto. So uh, I'm in Columbus, Ohio right now. Think about the Ohio State Buckeyes and the way they are treated in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, No matter whether they're playing a game or not, they feel the pressure to go and win not just a Big Ten championship, but a national championship almost every year. That's the same pressure for the, for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. When they're outside of their arena, they're hearing it from their fans. They're hearing it from the media. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. That's a long, long time ago. So I think it's almost reverse home ice advantage because they're in their city. They've got all... 
12 Eastern Conference teams in their city, and they know the pressure is on them to perform. So I think the Blue Jackets could actually exploit that a little bit, the fact that there's no pressure on them. They're a 60-1 to favorite to win the Stanley Cup. No pressure on the Blue Jackets. And everyone in that city of Toronto wants the Maple Leafs to win. Man, that's that's a little reverse psychology, I understand. But, man, oh, man, there's a lot of pressure on that home team, even though there's no home ice advantage. We're speaking with Dave Metzl from Fox Sports Ohio. Of course, you know him from his many years here in the Tri-State. Of course, he's really not that far from us in Columbus. But you're in Columbus now. The Stanley Cup's going to be hoisted in Canada. And there won't be any fans. There'll just be the support staff, the team that hoists the Cup. Uh, We kicked this around yesterday. I want to get your thoughts on it. Will the sound engineer, they're piping in the, the artificial fan reaction noise there, will there be someone with the boo button when Gary Bettman's on ice for the Stanley Cup presentation? I knew right where you were going with that, and it's a great, great question, and one that I haven't even considered until right now. It is part of the tradition of the presentation of the Stanley Cup to just absolutely boo the heck out of the commissioner of the National Hockey League. I wonder how they're going to handle that at Edmonton. The finals will be played in Edmonton, and I'm sure that somebody has had the uh, wherewithal to think, what are we going to do when the commissioner comes out? I, I hope we see a little bit of a sense of humor out of the people in Edmonton, and they absolutely provide at least some underlying booing, at least. I mean, that's, that's part of the deal, right? Whenever they hand that cup over, you've got to hear some boos. Uh, I hope they've thought of that. They've thought of everything else. I hope they've thought of that. I think commissioners winning some points the way this has been handled so far. That would put him over the top if he was actually on board with it and in on it with the booze. That would endear him to a lot more fans. I almost think that at this point now he's already endeared himself with all the abuse he takes from the fans by the fans. I completely agree with you. And, and I can tell you that from a technical side, in terms of how they have uh, put together a plan that allows all of the 24 home team sports networks to provide coverage of their teams. I mean, I could go into detail here, but I know we don't have time. It's it's just phenomenal what the National Hockey League has done to allow Fox Sports Ohio and the other regional sports networks, the other networks that cover their teams, uh, the efforts that they've gone to to make that possible. I mean, last night's exhibition game, uh, Jeff Rimmer, Jody Shelley, myself, John Lucas, we were all in Nationwide Arena. And I think to the average fan at home, you never really would have known had we not mentioned it. it it's really a, a, an unbelievable undertaking by the league from a production standpoint to make that happen. It, it really has been impressive. It's been fun to watch. I I went ahead and spent the whole four dollars and ninety nine cents for the uh, the NHL uh, TV package the, for the um, for the first round here in the ex the exhibition games. It's just been fun watching how all of these productions have been going off and what NBC's producing one hub city and then Sportsnet's producing the other. Right? Is my understanding that? Yep, yep that is exactly right. And and uh, I was on a conference call on Tuesday. And uh, there were 260 people on this Zoom conference call, all broadcasters from all around North America. And the NHL was describing uh, exactly what the uh, bubble was like, exactly what had gone into uh, providing really every single element that you could think of 
from pre- and post-game interviews to intermission interviews to the game itself. And it, it really is a phenomenal job from a technology standpoint and from a manpower standpoint, what they've been able to do. Uh, hats off to the NHL for, for, for putting us on the cusp of what could be a tremendous postseason. Dave, we're looking forward to it. Of course, we're going to be watching all the coverage on Fox Sports Ohio. Uh, sure, I like Doc Emmerich too, but I'll be flipping over for uh, Blue Jackets games over there and uh, <laughs> keep an eye on yeah, what Doc, you guys are doing. Doc's a good Ohio guy. He went to Bowling Green, of course, so he's got uh, he's got a good pedigree with the folks here in this part of the country, and uh, it's just going to be fun to have him back and really hockey back all the way around. I I can't wait for the real stuff to begin the ball. Dave, it's been good catching up with you. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can do it again real soon. Anytime. And, again, I'm sorry I took a little time. Uh, I was just tied up. And, uh, again, blame it on Bill Cornwell. Everything is Billy's fault. Exactly. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. All right, man. Talk soon. Dave Metzl from Fox Sports Ohio. Quick timeout. We're going to wrap it up here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Buckle up. Paul Swan has the wheel on the drive. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan, your host. Our phone lines this hour presented by Miller Lite. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories, the original light beer. Coming up next week, it'll be Spencer Dupuis and Bill Cornwell. Bill and Spencer will love next week because, of course, uh, we'll have hockey to talk about. We'll have, of course, the New York Rangers. We'll have the Washington Capitals. And, of course, with Bill Cornwell, every team is Bill's team. It's true. Am Am I wrong, Spencer? Every team's Bill's team. We are not wrong. It's like every single time I see him, it's something. It's somebody else. Right? Yeah, it's like, oh, this team did good? Oh, well, I'm a fan. He's a bandwagon hopper. <laughs> He's a Ranger fan. He just likes, I don't know, he just likes college apparel and, and other teams. He just likes the game of hockey like I do. He's just, uh, he's he's very, uh, he's very involved. Uh, he's a Dodger fan. Don't let him tell you otherwise. Uh, he might be a, a Cincinnati Reds fan, but he's a Dodger fan. He is also a big time, I mean, a big time uh, UCLA fan. He loves UK, and that's genuine there. He is not a UK bandwagon fan. He, he does love him some UK. But uh, Bill Cornwell will be in here next week along with Spencer. Uh, I thought next week was going to be Spencer's last week. I got him for another week after that. So um, looking forward to having you back uh, here for another couple of weeks. And then uh, we'll get to say our, our final farewells as uh, Spencer, of course, is available. If you'd like to hire him. Hire me, please. Please hire Spencer. I got to fill out your evaluation tonight on the internship. I got paperwork today from uh, Dr. Goodman. Um, I think you're going to pass. I mean, I hope so. I've been very diligent. I think you're going to pass. Don't tell Goodman this, but I've got to. I got to drop a. a, Like I can't give you all fives. She'll know something's up. Oh yeah. Okay. You can never do that on anything. You always got to give one, four, three. Yeah. There's going to be like maybe one, three, and a a couple of four. So um, yeah, I think you'll pass. Don't tell Goodman I said that though. She's not listening. (laughs) Doctor Bailey's not listening either. We know that never happens. (laughs) Not at all. Never. No. Thanks for listening. Um, Don't forget um, if you missed the show podcast available wrvc.com. Thanks for listening. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.